If we've not had the chance to meet, my name is Kurt. I serve as one of the pastors here, and we are continuing in a Lenten message series called Living Water. And if you are newer to church or exploring faith, I just want to say thank you for joining us. I think it requires an amazing amount of courage to walk into a new place and to begin new journeys and to kind of consider that maybe God has more for you is a wonderful place to, to kind of launch your journey. And for anybody who's already saying, hey, I'm following Jesus, I'm like decades into this thing, never forget that humble heart that said, God, I need you. God, I need you. We've been looking into some invitations that we see in Scripture. In Isaiah, we saw that there's this kind of prophetic call to all who are thirsty and this invitation to say, come, come and drink from the wells of living water that God has for us. And then if you're kind of wondering, well, okay, God, like, yeah, I'll come, I'll take what you've got, but I, let me get my stuff together so I can, you know, bring the right kind of price. I can bring the right amount of money to, to get in on this thing that you're doing. He says, no, 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 no. It's free. It's not so much about what you have, it's about what I have that I want to give to you. Would you consider a heart of humility to begin to receive what I want to do in your life? An invitation to the thirsty, week one. Jen Allen, one of our uh, preaching team members, talked about solitude and silence in week two, that there are these rhythms, these practices that we can have in our life where we prioritize the presence of God and the reality of God so that it begins to take more kind of take up more territory, more space in our hearts and our minds and our lives. And she just gave this really incredible invitation to us to consider what it might be to get a little more still and a little more quiet and begin to let God speak to you. We actually believe God, you know, not just Brian White has a direct line to God, but we believe God wants to speak to all of you, actually. It's good news. And then last week, Tony, another one of our members of our preaching team, this incredible invitation to consider is the word of God and the identity of God in you. In you. Are you building rhythms where the words of God and the voice of God is filling you inside out? That we all worship. Did you notice everybody worships someone or something? Maybe yourself, maybe your career, maybe your bank account, maybe a sports team, maybe March Madness, maybe the rodeo. <laughs> we all worship something. We were made to worship, to, to give our affection to something or to someone. Everyone worships. And Tony gave us this great charge to consider what is it in me that I'm worshiping that will then flow out of me. Is the word of God and the identity of God in you. And today, I'm going to give you two words to anchor, I think, our entire faith journey on. And it's like a good sermon. They have the same first letter. All right? I, I planned that. The question is, will you delight in God and depend on God? In your life. What do you delight in? And who do you depend on? 
Will you delight in God and depend on God? I believe that that is the way into God's kingdom and the way forward for all the days of our life to live the flourishing life that God has for us. And we're going to talk about two practices that help shape that reality in us. And these are two invitations from God to you, to us as a people, to fasting and Sabbath. To fasting and Sabbath. These are two words that find their life and their power and their presence and their goodness in God's kingdom. Fasting and Sabbath. And we're going to look at uh, Isaiah 58 today. Because I think that there's this way of relating to fasting and Sabbath that we need to be careful of. And there's this way of relating to fasting and Sabbath that calls us into the flourishing life of God where we can experience the, the spiritual hydration that our souls need. And it's not self-oriented. Spoiler alert. And it's not to get God to do what you want God to do. Spoiler alert. It is to call us into the life of God, to walk with God and flourish with God for not only ourselves, but for everyone around us. It is good news, not just for you today, but for every person you are going to interact with in your life. You are here as a potential source of hope for their hearts as much as your own. As much as your own. And so I'm going to pray. I know we've been praying, but I want to pray a very specific prayer for us as we begin to read out of God's word that we would be open to the living God. And that we would even now begin to just begin to shift in our intellectual astuteness, in the authenticity of our life maybe not being as fully put together as we want it to be. Maybe in a posture of humility, we would say, God, come and do something new. Come do something new today. So, Lord, we just say we need you. Holy Spirit, you are the promised gift to the church today, the third person of the Trinity. And so we say, come. Come and have your way. As we read out of your word, I pray that it would be alive. God, I pray that you would speak to this room, to anyone who's online, that we would consider our lives in your presence and we would be changed by your love. So we say, come Holy Spirit, we need you. We want you here in this place. Amen. We're going to be in the Old Testament in Isaiah 58. It's going to be on the screen behind me. Feel free to read along. Uh, I might just share with you a little something I'm doing I got a new Bible. They still print these things. It's crazy. <laughs> Amazon will actually send it to your house. And then you can just begin to like spend time with God and mark it up. So mark up your Bible today as we talk. Uh, don't just listen to my voice, but uh, listen to the voice of God speaking to you. It says this in verse 1. Shout, shout it aloud. Do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion. Yeah! Y'all didn't see that coming, no, unless you had it memorized. No, it's interesting, right? Hold on. Right off the bat, we see this kind of tension. Do you feel it? There's some rebels. They are rebelling against God. And here's the good news. He's talking to those who are actually his people, following him. Declare to my people their rebellion and to the descendants of Jacob their sins. 
For day after day, they seek me out. Do you feel the tension? Okay, their sins, but they're seeking God out. Pay attention here. For day after day, they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways, as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near to them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it, God? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen, only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. And you will cry for help and he will say, here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and the malicious talk, there's none of that going on these days. This is Old Testament stuff. Yikes. And if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight, And the Lord's holy day honorable. And if you honor it, here it is, if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord. And I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. Delight and depend. Delight and depend. 
The invitation of God to his people, which is for any follower of Jesus, anyone who's saying, God, I follow you, I find my identity in you, I want to be a part of your family, is will you delight in me, the living God, and depend on me? Will you resist that thing inside of you that wants to go your own way and to do as you please, and will you learn to humble yourself and give me authority and follow me in everything you do? It's one of those easy days at church, right? Like, oh, that's good. He's already said sin. He's already said rebellion. And he's already talking to me about going my own way, doing my own thing. Hey, if you want to be God, have at it. If you want to experience the joy of the Lord, the living God who spoke everything into being to have maybe some thoughts about the way we live our lives, have at it. What we can do is we can build rhythms in our lives that increase the opportunities for us to delight in and depend on God. We can actually make choices, intentional choices, in the way we spend our hours and our days that will either increase opportunity to connect with God or will create a barrier for us to do it. What's interesting in Isaiah 58, it says, they seek me and they seem eager to know my ways. So what's interesting is that there are are ways we can live our lives that actually deceive us. They actually deceive us to think we're going about God's business and we're not. So we have to be careful and we have to walk this out in community. Because these rhythms, these rhythms of connecting with God, these rhythms of allowing the kingdom of God to have more rule, more reign, more authority in our lives are called spiritual disciplines or practices. How many of you like the word discipline? Yep, that's the problem. Like, this, is in, this inherently is the challenge that we face. We go, oh, discipline's bad. No, discipline is the way of life, that we would have practices and we would be a disciple, same root word, of Jesus, which means it's about what we're following and who we're following, and we can practice it. We don't, like, as Ashley said, we don't have to be perfect, but we do want to practice things that are priorities to us. And it's actually a way that we can get active in our love. If I say I love my wife or my child and I never practice that rhythm of love, do I really? I mean, my life and the activity of my life needs to get aligned with the priorities that I say I proclaim. I don't just seem eager to know God's ways. I actually am eager to know God's ways. Rich Velotis, who pastors a uh, church in New York City, says it this way, and I got this from his Instagram account, and it's just so helpful. No spiritual discipline can make God love you. Think about this for a second. No spiritual discipline makes God love you. It's too late for that. God already loves you. That's where you, amen. <laughs> yes! Like, woohoo! Okay, just, I mean, it's okay. Y'all can, y'all can engage here too. It's good. But spiritual disciplines help us to live in God's love and offer it to others. Church, this morning as we walk through fasting and Sabbath, here's the things you need to know. It is about the love of God and it is about the love of others. It is the love of God and the love of others. Every spiritual discipline, even solitude, solitude is about the love of God so that we can love others. 
is worship and the word in me, the love of God to love others. This is the rebuke in Isaiah of the Old Testament is that they were not loving others. They were concerned with themselves. They were not loving others. They were putting on this religious kind of pretense like, oh, look at us. We seem eager to love God, but we're not loving others. Feels like a timely word for us today. See, what we want to do is connect our spiritual rhythms to the reality of Jesus. Because as I think about what Rich Velotis is saying, what I think about Isaiah 58 is I hear Jesus anchoring us in the two greatest commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, Matthew 22. That's a New Testament text where Jesus is talking. So every spiritual discipline and practice is connected to the work and the way of God, which is to love God and to love others. Y'all tracking with me this morning? So when we talk about fasting, which is a very common practice in the Lent season, is about giving something up. And when we talk about Sabbath, which is also giving something up, we need to understand that it's to delight in God, to depend on God so that we can love the people around us well. So I want to jump forward a little bit, um, and what I would like to do is come to this idea that fasting is about delight and depend, and the fast that God requires of us in Isaiah 58 sounds a lot like Jesus in Luke 4. The Lord has anointed me, his sovereign Lord is on me to proclaim good news, to set the captive free, to care for the poor. He goes on, and as he's preaching, he says, listen, You should give me something to drink if I'm thirsty. You should clothe me if I'm naked. You should look out for the needs of others. And what's interesting is in order for me to clothe you, I have to be willing to give up what? Clothes that I have, which means I need to fast from my consumption. I need to fast from my hoarding all the things for me to help care for you. Fasting is not about a religious spirit It is not about a religious spirit which is working my way to God. Oh, if I fast today, then God will love me more. And if I fast next week, God will love me more. And if I fast this, then God will begin to do what I ask God to do because what I really want is to be God. That's religious spirit. That's not what fasting is about. Fasting is about a relational heart. God, I lay this down and I open myself to your work. Fasting is a rhythm of life with God where we refrain from consumption to join in the work of God here and now. And what it does is it brings an attentiveness to us. Because usually when you fast, like a common practice is to fast food. Not to eat fast food, but to fast food. I take lunch, and instead of eating lunch, I go, God, I'm going to dedicate this time to you, and I'm going to become more aware and attentive of your presence because I know I'm hungry, (laughs) but I really want to be fed by you. I want to be nourished by you. I want to connect to you, the living God. And it's an invitation. God's inviting us to this. It's about a relational heart. This season of Lent is that Jesus fasted for 40 days before he launched into his ministry to care for others. It was connected to solitude. It was connected to God's word in him. It was connected to God's identity in him. Verse 16 is like, when you fast, do not look 
somber as the hypocrites do. This is Jesus teaching in Matthew 6. Do not make it look like, oh, woe is me, I'm fasting. Everybody put the attention on me, I'm so... No, he says, look, when you're fasting, it's not about what other people think, it's about you connecting to me. So he says, put oil on your face, look like you got it put together, and let this be a time between me and you to get your heart right for how you love others. Verse 17, but when you fast, this is Matthew 6, verse 17, but when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. It's a special place to delight in God, to depend on God. Fasting is the practice of resisting from consumerism, to resting, sorry, not resisting, to resisting consumerism or resting from consumerism. Think about fasting as resting from consumption. See, now I'm getting in all of our business. I had a great meal yesterday. It was so good. It was so good. And what's interesting is when we begin to step into this story of God, which is fasting, just remember the promise that's coming as we're going to get to is that we actually get invited to a feast. That there's feasting on the inheritance of God, the life of God. So it says, yes, lay this down, but I'm going to fill you with something even better. Because the living God, the creator God, can provide for us better than we can provide for ourselves. This is the spiritual practice and discipline of fasting. And I was thinking about my friend Ryan. He told me this great story about fasting. And again, I just want to draw like one last point. This is not about self-righteous kind of religious spirit, but it's about relationship because he grew up in a home where fasting was practiced during Lent. And Ryan was talking to his dad. He said, yeah, dad, I'm going to fast from fish sticks this Lent season. Sounds good enough. And his dad goes, yeah, Ryan, but you don't ever eat fish sticks. He goes, I know. You seem eager to know my ways. And I just thought, Ryan, that's so good. He gave me permission to tell the story. But guys, this is not about doing this in our own strength. This is not about showing what we can give to God. This is about a heart that says, God, I need what you have. So I want to lay down my efforts and pick up yours. It is not a self-oriented effort, but a God-oriented experience. So this next 10 days, together as a community, we're going to start with beverages. And we're going to practice a 10-day beverage fast, starting at dinner tonight. Trust me, I'm working through that coffee thing. Like, well, I have coffee not with breakfast. I'm just, this is real, guys. So what it's causing me to do is not depend on the coffee to give me what I need for that day, but the living God, the Holy Spirit to come. And give me what I need. And when I drink water, it will remind me that I did not have coffee at breakfast. And if not then, when I have my headache later that day. I'm just, it's a great journey. And this is for all ages. I'm going to be honest, my kids are about to suffer because they like to have a soda occasionally with a meal. Sorry, guys, that $3 Coke is going to partner with Living Water International so that somebody can have clean drinking water like we already have. And like the 17 faucets and spigots at our house. Count the spigots in wherever you live or work this next week and think about how accessible clean drinking water is. And even if you're like, yeah, but mine's got too much chlorine. I don't really like what they're doing with my city water. Like, guys, we have it so good. We have it so good. And so for 10 days, what we're going to do is we're going to lay something down, but we're picking up the work of God's kingdom 
to care for those around us, to care for those around the world, to say, this is the fast you desire, not one that ends with us going our own way, but one that puts us aligned in the way of God's kingdom. And Sabbath. We delight and depend in Sabbath, which is resting from work. And everybody should go, yes! But this is so hard because our culture is addicted to work. We're addicted to production and consumption. It is a challenging thing we face in our day and time. I proved it because I was like, yay, Amazon. And then I'm like, yay, Sabbath. You know, whatever. Like, it's just, it's the, the, this is the discipleship journey we're in with Jesus. But here's what Jesus says. He says, listen, if you will rest, dedicate one day back to me. You need to rest from your production so you can depend on mine. You need to rest from your creating all the work to receive what I have for you. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day. Do you hear that? From doing as you please. From doing as you please. It is, a, it is an art of coming into relational submission and yielding to God to say, I want to do what you please. If you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord. How many of you would like more joy this week? Yeah, everybody. It's like a no-brainer. What God is saying is if you will begin to walk in my ways, and Sabbath is a period of time dedicated to the Lord where you just stop your work and you get present to God. You spend time in solitude maybe a little bit. You worship. Maybe you spend time in God's Word. Maybe you spend time with people around a table and you share a meal or you go out in creation. Romans says that all of creation is testifying to the glory of God. So get outside and behold God's beauty. But dedicate a portion of your time to get into God's presence and receive, to delight in God and depend on God and go, God, you've got me. You will take care of me. My joy is in you. You know, I was thinking about this, that Sabbath is interesting. Did you know that actually Sabbath is one of the Ten Commandments? So if you are following God and you really want to be like a good follower of Jesus, you go, I'm going to really like anchor in on the Ten. I'm not murdering anybody. I'm not coveting what you have. I'm just admiring the beauty of your home and your new car. Mine's vintage. Church, Sabbath is one of the Ten Commandments, and I think it's one of the ones we just, our culture has said we know better. God, we know better than you, actually. We're not going to rest. We're not going to honor a holy day. And this, listen, like you're going like, but Kurt, like we're actually at church. <laughs> like, dude, take it easy on me, bro. Like, I'm like here. Like, you're talking to the people that are not here. No, what I'm saying is it's a posture of our heart. It is about corporate worship. But it's about a way of relating to God in our hearts that we are delighting in God and we're depending on God. And we are saying, I want all of my life to be lived according to your way. And the promise of God is you will find joy. You will find joy in the Lord, and you will feast on the inheritance that he is rolling out. Like, it's not a bad thing. But the thing that's hard about this, and this week as I was preparing, what I kept hearing is this, that, that in the New Testament, there's this idea that whoever wants to gain their life must lose it. 
The kingdom of God is upside down, that in order to experience the life that we actually all long for, we have to be willing to lay down our own efforts and begin to walk in the ways of God. And Isaiah 58 points to it in two specific practices, these spiritual practices and rhythms. In fasting, and fasting is not, I'm going to give up a meal so that I can get God to do what I want God to do. It is giving up myself so that I can get on board with what God is already doing all around me and in me and through me. And fasting is not about my own righteousness so that I feel good. It's so that it pours me out into the lives of everybody around me. And Sabbath is about finding our joy in the Lord, that God wants to meet us and he wants to be with us and he wants to be there to provide for us and he wants us to live like he lived. And it says that he created the world in six days and on the seventh day he rested. God wants to meet you in rest. This is great. So here's how you're going to practice Sabbath this week. I want you to all pull out your calendars and I want you to block an hour and a half for a nap. I'm serious. How will we ever rest and experience God meeting us in our rest if we do not? Guys, if you, I mean, just, it's here. It's all over it. It's here. And here's what I know. It feels really hard to give up 24 hours. Sleep for eight to 10 of them. That'll get you a good start. Just count your sleep. It's true. Delight in God and depend on him. I want to draw, this is what I felt like the Lord did for me, and I, I want us just to keep walking this out together. Genuinely, here's what I want you to do to put this into practice this week. Start with your beverages and enjoy some water and let it draw your attention to God and say, God, would you fill me? Would you fill me with your love? Would you fill me with your grace? Would you supply every need that I have because you love me. You love me. And I want you to just block out a little time. If 24 hours feels like too much, start with 24 minutes. So whatever one Netflix show you were going to watch, rest from it and begin to say, God, I want to practice Sabbath. I have no idea how to do this. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to show up. I'm going to stop my work I'm going to stop my production. I'm going to stop my consumption. I'm going, to, I'm going to set aside some time to honor you. And I'm going to read Isaiah 58. I'm going to read Isaiah 58 during this 24 minutes. And I'm just going to take my next step. Maybe some of you are further along. The goal is to actually block a 24-hour period. Usually starts at dinner, rolls through the night, and finishes at the next dinner. And here's what God showed me, and this is where I want to finish because I think this brings us into kind of our ministry time today. Verses, verse 3, verse 13. Verse 3, verse, verse 13. Say that three times real fast. Isaiah 58, verse 3. says, yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please. This is the rebuke. This is the rebellion that God is calling out in his family, in his community. You seem eager to know my ways, but you do as you please. Verse 3. Verse 13. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath... 
and from doing as you please on my holy day. Sin can be summed up as I do as I please. Surrender can be summed up as I do as God pleases. There's a price to be paid for either way of life. Fasting and Sabbath are two spiritual practices that help us learn how to take that thing inside of me to do as I please and to sacrifice it as an expression of worship. To say, God, no. I'm going to refrain from doing as I please. I yield that to you. I want to go where you are going. Let's stand together as a community. How's God speaking to you today? Through the worship? And singing as a community? Through communion? Coming to the table and receiving God's work? Through his word? And by the Holy Spirit just saying, hey, I've got something for you. I have life for you. I have hope for you. I have healing for you. What might God be saying to you today? You know, I love it. It's like shout aloud the rebellion, right? Like, yikes. But it's in my heart. It's what I'm so capable of when I live by my own strength and power. So what is it that God's saying, hey, this is what repentance looks like. It looks like for you to respond, to stop doing as you please in this part of your life and to walk in my ways, to walk in relationship with me. Let me speak to you. Let me come and give you hope and let me come and redirect you. That is what repentance is. And forgiveness is free. What do you need today? I mean, we, we intentionally put fasting and Sabbath together because they're just hard. They're very much the way of God's kingdom, but our normal rhythms of life don't shape that in us. The culture that we live in day in and day out, that we're bombarded with, invites us to different rhythms and different practices. What is the practice you need to leave with today? And that's what it is. It'll be practice. You're not leaving with spiritual perfects. You're leaving with a desire. There's an invitation from God that goes, God, I want to delight in you. I want to depend on you. Help me. Isaiah 58 says it's super clear. If you will walk in my ways, I am ready to be there. I am here. So God, we just open our lives to you. We, we just don't want to come in and seem like we're seeking you. We don't want to come in and seem eager to know your ways and then punch out and go do as we please. You have so much better for us. So Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would come. We ask that you would engage us well today. God, you are good. We need you. We need your transforming love. We need to be anchored and rooted in the love that you have poured out in Jesus so that we would know these kind of practices are not about earning more of your love. They're about prioritizing your presence because you already love us. So we just say, come speak today. Come speak today. If you're part of our prayer ministry team, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and come on down. 
I just think that this is the place where it's like we just need to do the work of our own interior. Like whatever you know about your life, that's what prayer ministry is for. God, I need you. God, I'm, I'm discouraged. I'm hurting. I'm rebellious. I've been doing my own thing, and I want to go a different way. So if you need prayer for anything today, we're going to invite you to come. Here's the other thing. God talks about joy and about feasting and about inheritance. And that is like this good life of God's kingdom. And if your life does not look like that, that might be the reason you need to come get prayer. Man, God was, that guy up there was talking about joy today, and I have like zero. I, do, I, I have no joy right now. We want to pray for joy to increase in your life. He was talking about like relational connection with God. What in the world is that? You mean that I can like have relationship, God, that direct line, I can have that too? Yes, we want to come talk to you about that. Let us pray for you. Because what it is is God loves you and he wants to be in relationship with you. So God, I just pray that we would be the kind of community that is willing to have humility that says deal with our rebellion. Deal with the stuff in our lives that's stealing life from us so that we might love our neighbors the way you love us, so that we might be concerned for the poor, so that we would be concerned for the oppressed, that we would be kingdom people that are breaking every yoke and every bondage, that we would join you in your work, that your work is one of freeing the captive. Your work is one that speaks hope and life and healing. Your work is water for the thirsty and food for the hungry. May we give of ourselves to that work. Your work is kind words that breathe life. Your work is spelled out in Isaiah 58. May we join you in your kingdom work. Teach us how to love you with everything we've gotten, how to love our neighbors as ourselves, and use fasting and Sabbath to craft that in us, to shape that in us, oh God. We pray for your Holy Spirit to be poured out on this community that we might walk in your ways and shine bright to the city around us. We bless this community in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.